um, that's where we're going to be for the next uh, several minutes. Um, I wanted to say one thing about uh, the Faith Promise. Pastor did a wonderful job covering that this morning in the Sunday school hour. And, uh, but because it is important, why well, I thought I might say something about it myself. I asked for a card um, just to see what it looked like. You know, it is Faith Promise. And so we're to give. I don't know how much... Um, the Apostle Paul said, I speak not by commandment, um, but uh, he said it's a, it'd be a good thing for you to be involved with it. It is by faith, and I believe that as you consider your faith promise, it should prove your love, and, um, but you'll have to do it with a willing mind. And uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And um, so uh, we should give an amount that would make us happy. But I don't think, on the other hand, God really uh, wants a chintzy offering either. Amen. And uh, I didn't say that because it's for me. Um, but um, I hope that uh, you've prayed and you've prepared. And uh, So if you're uh, uh, relatively new to Faith Promise, it's not a pledge. Nobody's, there's no place to put your name on this, and nobody's going to come to check and see why you didn't send it in. But what it does do is this amount, Pastor already touched on that too, but it will help the church this next year to plan its missions budget. And uh, so it's very important uh, that uh, uh, have an accurate read on that. And my, what a wonderful blessing to hear what this church has given to missions. And, um, you know, this is not a small church, but it's not, a, it's not a real big church either, amen. And isn't it wonderful to see what God, uh, what, uh, what God can do through us. And uh, so anyway, I hope that you're uh, encouraged about that. I want to talk to us today from Mark chapter 14. I'd like to preach a message and I'll begin reading from Mark chapter 14 and verse 3 for time's sake. And it says, And being in the house of Simon the leper, as he, Jesus, sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some... And, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me you have not always she hath done what she could, and she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's bow our heads and make our prayer. Father in heaven, thank you today for your word. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank You for saving us. And Lord, uh, I just thank You for all the wonderful things that 
that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and uh, the privilege that we have to, to share our faith. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you'd speak to each of our hearts today. And I pray that we'd leave here uh, uh, encouraged and, Lord, uh, right with you. And I pray, Lord, that you just speak to each and every one of us. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that they'd be saved today and have the assurance that uh, one day they can live in your presence forever and ever, knowing the forgiveness of sins and the fellowshipping uh, because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so we love you, we thank you for what you'll do, and I pray that you continue to bless Independent Baptist Church. And we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I see a couple of things by way of introduction here. In verse 9, Jesus said, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. Well, there it is. Christ anticipated that there'd be a time when the gospel would be preached throughout the entire world. Now, Paul said over there in Colossians chapter 1 a couple of times that the gospel had been preached uh, throughout the known world, the world at that time. And uh, maybe we don't all understand all of that, but that's what Paul said. Paul had, uh, had been a part of that. And the gospel got to the far reaches of the earth. You know, we have a lot of work yet to be done. You know, over half the world this morning uh, doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't have a knowledge that, that God has a son. And they don't have a preacher to tell them. They don't have a local church. And they don't have a page of uh, the printed word in their, in their, uh, in their mother tongue. And so, uh, that ought to trouble us that there's still more to do for uh, the church to complete its mission. And I said this earlier, but God only has one mission, amen? It's the Great Commission. If we were to go over to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, we're not going to do that, but we see people from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne of God. And what are we doing? We're worshiping Him. We're glorifying Him because the Lamb is worthy, amen? And uh, we'll be doing what we were created to do, and God wants representatives from every people, every kindred, every tongue, every nation. That word nation, ethnos, which uh, um, is uh, a word uh, where we get words like ethnic group, ethnicity, and some other words maybe that I can't pronounce. But anyway, uh, not just nations in the sense of geopolitical, but each people group within those nations. And uh, so anyway, uh, God wants, I believe, each and every one of us to be involved in His mission. And what a wonderful opportunity we have to do that. The second thing I see here by way of introduction in verse 8, and this is really our text, it says that she hath done what she could. Here the Lord defends this woman who broke the alabaster box and poured the oil out and anointed the Lord with this oil. Now, you see that there were some that, that said in verse 4, they had indignation within themselves. And so the Lord rises to her defense and conclusion is in verse 8, she hath done what she could. Boy, I'd like to hear that. 
said about me. That would be almost akin to God saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mentioned last night, I don't think anybody's going to get to the end of their life and say, Boy, I'm sorry, I spent all that money. Uh, I, I could have had uh, more vacation time if I hadn't given so much to, to missions. And I don't think anybody's going to come in their life and, and say, Boy, I'm sorry I read my Bible so much. And I'm sorry that I, I witnessed to all my neighbors. And, and uh, I'm sorry that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I lived a clean life. I mean, you know, I could have lived it up until the end, but I didn't know I was going to live that long, you know. And... No, no, nobody's going to say that. We might say, I wish I'd read my Bible more. I wish I'd been more faithful. I wish I'd given more because I could have. I wish that um, I had witnessed to people when I had opportunity. That's probably more likely how it could be. So, Anyway, I'd love to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I believe that I have seven things that I noted here that are suggested by our text that will need to be true about us if we're going to hear our Savior's commendation. Well done. That I have done, that you have done what we could. It didn't say that she did what she would. You know, a lot of people do what they want to do. And um, didn't say that she did what she should. A lot of people are looking for the minimum requirement, and when they feel like they've reached that, okay, I'm not going any further. You know anybody like that? I think we all do. Um, but first of all, I see that she had a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. She was saved. She was born again. I had the opportunity to preach a funeral of an aunt of mine that knew the Lord. And, and you know, uh, it was known that she was saved. And she had that testimony. And I thought, how wonderful it would be if everybody... If, when, how easy it would be to preach a funeral if you knew that that person uh, loved the Lord and you knew that they could go back to a time in their life when, when they got saved. When they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, most of the people when we're out visiting people, people that we meet, they don't know that. Well... She had a life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. She was converted. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All thing, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to tell you, when you get changed, when you get saved, you get changed. Amen. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's a difference. And I don't believe that this woman had a real good testimony before she met the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll just leave it at that. I think that there was a marked difference in her behavior uh, after she met the Lord. Amen? And uh, so anyway... It was obvious that she had been saved and 
she had had a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you, before you ever do anything for God much, you're going to have to know that you're saved. Let me give you a, a few quick facts about salvation. First of all, you must be saved in order to go to heaven. Jesus told Nicodemus, a religious man, by the way, he said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He said, Nick, he said, if you're not born again, you won't even see heaven, let alone go there. We have to have a new birth. Because our first birth, we inherited a sin nature from the first Adam, the old Adam. He sinned. That's why when you're uh, trying to teach your kids, you know, why well, you don't have to read books to teach them how to do the wrong thing, do you? You don't have to read books to teach them how to how to hide something that they've done wrong and how to how to not tell the truth, and you don't have to teach them uh, how to take things that don't belong to them, how to cheat on tests, how to listen to things they shouldn't listen to. No, you know why we 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 pick that up so easy because it's our nature. That's why we have to have a a new birth to get a new nature. Amen? And so, you have to be saved in order to go to heaven. First, And the second thing is you must be saved before you die in order to go to heaven. And so, uh, you have to know that. Before you die, it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And the third thing is you cannot save yourself. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3 that uh, we're not saved by our own righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it tells us that we're not saved by good works. That's what a lot of people are trusting in, what they're depending on. Ask them, what are you depending on to get to heaven? But you can't save yourself. The next thing I see is your salvation has already been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Over there in 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 24, I want to read that if I can find it here. I don't want to take too long, but um, this verse teaches us what the Lord has done for us when He died on the cross. It says, "...who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto..." Righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And then it says over in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen. And so, uh, your salvation was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. He took all the wrath of God the Father as all of our sins were hung on Him on the cross and God turned His back on God the Son that day and poured His wrath out on Him so He had no more left for you if you just simply trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And quit trying to do it your way. Salvation comes only by means of one person, and His name is Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. There's only one Savior. There's only one God. 
And His name is Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh into the Father but by Me. And so it's pretty clear that God is pretty narrow on this subject. There's only one way. And it's Jesus Christ. Can I tell you also that salvation occurs at a definite time in your life? It's a birth. I was born December the 7th, 19... at 10.45 in the evening. And I was born again, I believe in September... 1964, in the back bedroom of my parents' home at the end of Buck Run Road, Seaman, Ohio. And I remember it very clearly. And I've never had any serious doubts where I'm going to spend eternity since that day. Because I'm saved. And I'm kept by the Holy, I'm kept by the power of God, I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I've not lost one yet. Amen. It happens at a definite time. It happened to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. It happened to the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot there in Acts 8. It happened to Cornelius at his house. It happened to the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Can you tell me when you got saved? Before you'll ever do much for God, you'll have to know that you're saved. She had a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, I see that she was connected to a local body of believers. We would call that a church. But look with me in verse 3. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper... Did you get that? In the house of Simon the leper. She was in the house. Now, who else was in the house? Well, I believe the twelve apostles were there. I believe that there were certain other disciples that were there. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Simon. They were all there. What were they doing? I think they were sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think that Jesus was teaching the Word of God. He was the Word of God. Amen. And so I believe that Jesus was teaching them. I have no problem believing that they might have been having a house church. Amen. And they were singing. And they were happy. At least some of them were. What were they doing? They were congregating. I'll tell you, you'll never do much apart from the local church. That's the agency that God has chosen to do His great commission. This is the truth. So you need to get connected. The Lord Jesus Christ is seen in Revelation chapter 1. And he is seen walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. In verse 20, it tells us that those seven golden candlesticks are the, are the seven churches of Asia. They were the seven churches. They are representative, I believe, of all churches in the church age. And that's the sphere of interest that the Lord has. He's seen walking in their midst because he's interested in what's happening in his churches. Okay? I don't know that he gets all caught up about what the Ohio State Buckeyes did yesterday. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, anyway, it says she was in the house. Second thing, I, I just got to tell you that, you know, you need to get on board and get on the team, amen? You'll never do much for God without being connected to the agency that God wants to use. Third thing I see, she is willing to sacrifice. Look at verse 3. It says, There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment. I underline this. Very precious. Well, first of all, she was willing, and she was willing to sacrifice. I just say one thing about sacrifice. I don't know much about it. No, I'll say two things. But I, I, I believe I know this. When what you give alters your lifestyle, then you've given sacrificially. We talk about giving sacrificially. That's pretty tall. But when we give sacrificially, it alters our lifestyle. And they said, well, this could have been sold for 300 pence. That was more than a year's wage. It was more money than most people had to give away. And I'm sure that it altered her budget greatly. But she was willing to sacrifice. But the Lord said, Wheresoever this gospel shall be, be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. She was willing to sacrifice, and I see that she was also willing to live with criticism and in disappointment in others, because it says in verse 4, And there were some that had indignation within themselves, saying, Why was this waste of the ointment made? Can I tell you, there are always going to be some. Well, you know, that's just a waste. All the need there is right around Anchorage, you know, to send all that money somewhere else with a bunch of missionaries so they can live it up in the Caribbean or Nairobi or wherever they're going, you know. There'll always be some. Oh, he could have made such a, 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 a good living and he could have sent scores of missionaries with what he could have earned with the brain that he had, but he threw it all away and became a missionary. Now, nobody here would say that maybe, but people have. They said about her, why was this waste of the ointment made? Can you imagine? They were in the house... Simon the leper. Think about that just for a minute. Simon was there. Simon had been cured. For some, I don't know, 4,000 years, only a handful of people had ever recovered from leprosy. I mean, life was over when you got leprosy. You were a walking dead man. You couldn't, you couldn't, you talk about being in quarantine and isolation. You went without the camp. You lived in a colony and you had no contact. If you saw someone coming and you happened to be out close to where they were coming, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean! This is highly contagious. 
And it was horrible. It was a death sentence. There was no more kissing the children goodnight and reading them a story and tucking them in and getting up the next morning and, and uh, kissing the wife and getting breakfast and going off to work and coming back home and, and uh, fellowshipping with people. That was gone. That was over. But yet there's Simon, the leper. He was present. Can you imagine? And some guys are sitting around there saying, hmm, why was, what a waste. You know what they were really saying? We think she's spending too much on Jesus. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, His gospel, Jesus Christ will change your life. Some of you have been changed significantly. We've all been changed if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of where we could be right now had we not been saved. Think of the lifestyle that some of you may have been in before you got saved, but praise God, you're not that way anymore. How could anybody think that they could spend too much on Jesus? And we don't even have time to get into Lazarus. He was there too. I mean, Jesus raised him from the dead. He'd been dead four days. Well, she was willing to live with criticism and disappointment in others. Can I tell you, there are a lot of people that are not here this morning and, and churches all over America this morning. There are people that are bitter because somebody didn't do them right. Something happened. Maybe they didn't get recognized at the potluck for that wonderful dish that they brought. Maybe somebody didn't recognize them for that, an offering that they gave. Maybe somebody that named the name of Christ uh, uh, didn't do them right in a business dealing. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the preacher said something that offended them. But they're gone. They're wounded. They're offended, and they're not doing anything. Hey, we need to make up our mind. Why are we giving? Who are we really giving for? It's not for the missionary. It's not even for the lost that the missionary will preach to. It's really for him. And then I see that she spent time alone with the Lord. Well, we need to do that too. See, she knew something that the rest of the disciples didn't know. Look at verse 8. Jesus said, She hath done what she could. What a great commendation. And then he adds this She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. What? How did she figure that out? 
James and John, they, they sent their mother to ask for them to have a position in the kingdom. One on the right and one on the left hand. Just a few chapters earlier. Yeah, Peter didn't get it. I love Peter. I think sometimes we're a little hard on Peter, but Peter, I think, I think Peter was about 6'4". I think he was about this wide. I think he was a great big husky fisherman. I think he was, I think he was pure man. And when he said, Lord, everybody may offend you or uh, be offended because of you. Everybody might forsake you, but I won't. I think he really meant that. And you know, when he cut that guy's ears off, he just had an uppercut. He wasn't aiming to cut his ear off. He was going for the neck. He was going to sever that guy's head. He had plans to defend the Lord and make good on what he said. But he was operating with limited knowledge because he hadn't spent enough time listening to what Jesus was saying. And he was operating in the flesh. I love Peter. I see so much of me in him. Not that physical part, but only in my dreams. But how do we spend time with the Lord? Well, He's given us His Word. Amen? And um, we should spend time with Him. And we should spend time praying. And she was becoming involved where God was working. Hey, I think that's important. We, we need to be involved where God's working. Amen? And how do we know that? By spending time with Him. Well, let me give you another one. What she did, she did on time. This is the last week, the last few days before the crucifixion. And she made her offering while she had still had a chance. It would probably have been her last chance. This may be the last faith promise you'll have an opportunity to make. This may be the last day that opportunity that you'll have to get saved if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ already. We don't know. This may be your last chance to say yes to God and to obey Him about something He spoke to your heart about. It may be your last chance to get right with God. It may be your last chance to witness to that person that God has been laying on your heart. But she did what she did on time. And then I see what she did was an eternal work. All C.T. Studd said this. He said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. Someone said what she used to attract, what she once used to attract men to herself, she poured out on Christ so that men might be attracted to Him. Some could have done more. But she did what she could. Eternal work. I thought about that one time. I thought about, I dreamed that I stood before God at the um, judgment seat of Christ. 
and I cast at his feet ashes. Because the Bible says that our works will be tried by fire. See what sort it is. Gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, stubble. And I thought, how much of my life has been wood, hay, and stubble? And how much of my life is how much of my life has been involved in doing involved in a eternal work? Did you ever see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer? Next time you do, take a picture of it. I'd like to see it. I just kind of think that you probably won't see that. But what are we going to do that has value in 10,000 years? And someone said, if it doesn't have any value in 10,000 years, it has no real value now. Well, have you done what you could? Will we be able to say that? Will we be able to hear the the Savior's commendation? Well, you know, you need to have had a life-changing experience with the Lord. I think you need to be well-connected with a group of Bible-believing New Testament church Christians. Amen? Not everything that has a tax exemption and a steeple is a New Testament church, folks. I know you know that. I think one of the marks is a church that is doing the Great Commission. Because that is God's mission. Willing to sacrifice, willing to live with criticism, and continuing on even though others disappoint us. Because we realize who we're doing it for. And spending time with the Lord, understanding His will, and doing what we should on time. And being involved in what's eternal and not just temporal. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our pastor musicians are coming. In just a moment, we'll have our invitation. Father in heaven, we thank you, Father.